a very, very, very thin spine of rock with steep drops either side. I mean, you fall, you die, pretty much. Woo! Kind of panicking a little bit, but just like push that feeling away. Welcome back. I'm here today with the Dragon's Back Race Champion, Katie Mills. You guys have heard me chat about this a bit, and if you have been on Instagram at all, you saw the coverage of this. We get into what this race actually is in the podcast, so I won't say it again now, um, but it was really fun. The cool part was I've seen Katie win a lot of races and run really well, but I've never seen her this excited. Um, you can, we talked a week after, so it was still pretty vivid in her memory, but, um, you can hear in her voice just how stoked she was on the week and what an experience it was. So I think it should make you never want to do this race, but wish that you could. <laughs> it's kind of how I was left with it. Uh, it's just such a, such an insane amount of distance, elevation and terrain. So I'll link to Instagram and the race in the show notes as well. Go check out those photos. It's pretty crazy. And there's a lot of really fun articles. The media coverage for the race, given the like remoteness of the terrain is really cool. Quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Gooder sunglasses. So go check them out. Gooder.com backslash TRW for 15% off. Use the discount code TRW15. These sunglasses don't stick. They don't bounce. They're not super expensive. So you can buy a whack of super fun colors, throw them in your pack and have them at all times. So we have some new ones. Lost in Transition. A Ginger Soul. That one's old one. Don't Snake My Wave. Don't Tab Shave Me. Oh, that's so good. And my personal favorites, pineapple painkillers. Guys, go check those out. The colors are amazing. They are going to make you feel happy. And now that the weather's changing, you still need really awesome sunglasses for those days that the sun comes out and makes you feel amazing. You can also get some that have like a light lens so you can wear them in the rain like me because any brightness is too much brightness because I am old. And these sunglasses make me look young. Again, gooder.com backslash TRW or just gooder.com and use discount code TRW15 to get 15% off at checkout. Okay, guys, I need to tell you about two reviews that just came in and I want to thank you so much. The reviews are so amazing. First from Wannabe Trail Runner. I'm currently a road runner, but dream of getting into trail running. This podcast has been so inspiring, funny, and infirm informative. My favorite things are just hearing from Hillary, who is a newish mother like myself and gives me hope that I can carve out things for myself still, which is so amazing to hear. Yes, you can. You can carve things out for yourself. Um, and from MJ Hawkins, I love this podcast. I've been a listener for over a year, so this review is long overdue. This podcast is full of trail running tips and tricks, but it's also much more than that. It's full of inspiring stories from women and a couple men from a wide variety of backgrounds, experience, and ages. Um, she goes on to say a lot of really nice things. That's really nice, you guys. Thank you. I really appreciate that. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, please do. If you would like to hear the beginning episodes, they're going to be a backlog on Patreon now. We have three up, but I will continue to put them up. The Patreon link is in my Instagram, hillsport55, so you can find it there. And that's all that I have to say. So I'll leave this one, uh, this intro quick because... Katie and I chat for a long time and it's a fun one to listen to. Here's Katie. I'm microphoning through your headset. No, that's just so that I can hear it. Uh, yeah, this is crazy. Sam has a program like this for making beats. Oh yeah, I'm not making beats. Yeah. <laughs> but you can. Okay, so 
We are. That's this. Maybe that's how that starts. <laughs> we are with the Dragon's Back Race champion, Katie Mills. Uh, epic week of running. Before I was going to say Welsh runner, that's Simon. That's the men's winner. Before we get into the week that was, um, give us a brief intro on who you are, age, where you're from, where you live now, and. Oh gosh. Um, okay, so I am 31. <laughs> Before COVID, I was in my 20s, and now I feel like I've turned th- in my 30s that I've been realizing. Anyways, um, I'm from the UK, obviously. Um, I've lived in Canada for almost nine years, wow. which is crazy. Yeah, I came here when I was 21 with the ambition of doing a single ski season and going home to the safety of the UK, but that didn't happen. I'm still here. So here you are. Here I am. That's my basic history. Yeah. Okay. So before we get in, I guess my first question is why Dragon's Back Race? And I also like Katie and I run together a lot. If you haven't picked that up, she's the person that we've done the FKTs with who I always was like, I wonder if I wasn't here how fast she'd actually run this. So it was fun to like see when you were just on your own for... Um, My favorite one was the one where we um, where Andy came and then he was cross because he took three hours to get to the top. <laughs> and I ate his friend's sandwich. <laughs> yeah, so that's... We did one where um, Andy and I were actually going on a date. And yes, then, yes. And then he brought a friend and you brought a friend. And yes. then and then Hillary decides that we're going to try and go really fast to the top, which sounds like a horrendous idea. But anyways, um, so we did. And Andy's friend was also like fairly quick. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was fairly quick. And Andy was not so quick <laughs> that day. <laughs> it was pretty warm. Um, so we had to wait quite a while, which is, yeah, how I feel it is for you most of the time? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it was lovely. We had like, you know, a sandwich at the top and looked at the view and two hours went by and Andy was cross. <laughs> well, good. I hope he listens to this. <laughs> okay. So anyways, where I was going with that was at like, after COVID, you were like, I signed up for Dragon's Back Race and it felt like it was, you were like, but it's not till September of next year, which felt at the time like a year away, like it was never going to come. And I know. Who knows yeah. if you'd actually be able to fly there. So it's yeah. bananas that it even happened. Yeah. Um. So what is the race? Give us a breakdown of the days okay. and the mileage and the elevation. Okay. So um, there is, I'm not sure of the exact mileage, but there's it's six days. So you start on Monday morning in Conwy Castle, which is in North Wales. It's actually on the North Wales coast. And the race over the six days takes you down the spine of Wales, essentially. So down all the high points, down all the main mountain ranges in Wales and finishes in Cardiff Castle on the south coast on the Saturday afternoon. So the there's, you know, distinct stages. And after every day, there's like a camp that's set up um, by the race organization. So you have like defined campsites that you overnight at. Um, each night and it's around like 40 miles a day so um, I'm in miles because I've just spent so long in England (laughs) but so about 60k 60-65k a day on average so the first day is obviously like shorter it's um it's 50k but the elevation is like insane so and then the other days are still ridiculous elevation but like 60k 65k there's a couple 70k days and then the final day 
which is like, everyone's like, oh, we're so almost, at, you know, at Cardiff, like only one more day to go. And it's like 65 kilometers. Oh, God. Which is so ridiculous. And so I did remember reading the total elevation gain is 17,400 meters, which is like 55,000 feet. Yeah, so it's quite a lot of elevation gain. Um, and that's if you follow the route exactly. <laughs> and um, because it's all you basically navigate yourself. There's like, there's sections of the course which are mandatory. You have to follow them because they go through, you know, farmers' lands or footpaths or whatever. But then a huge chunk of the course is, there's just a recommended route that's posted online, but you can essentially go whichever way you want to get to the checkpoints. So you could like do a ton more elevation if you want to go in a straight line, or you can run further or go on the ridges to get to all the different peaks. or if you miss a checkpoint, like I did, and like a few people did, you end up running quite a lot further and quite a lot more elevation. So the course is not marked? It's no, there's no markings. There's like maybe a couple of arrows as you're coming into the finish because a lot of people will finish in the dark every day. Okay. Um, they have like one or two arrows, but no, it's total self-navigation. Um, I'm like, I feel like I cheated because I have a fancy watch, so I just followed the blue line on my watch. I imagine most people in this race had a fancy watch. Well, some people did, but actually on day five, I was running with this guy, Richard, and he's like some, uh, he just like specializes in off-trail mountain marathons in the UK. And he said, he was like, oh, I have your watch. He was like, I've never turned it on. Like, I don't know how to work it. So he was navigating this whole thing with a map. Oh, crap. And a few of the guys, like a few of the guys. And a compass? Yeah, I mean, but you didn't really need a compass in the first few days because it was so clear. You could kind of orient yourself based on the landmarks. Um, but it's it's just so crazy how I was, like, struggling to stay upright for, you know, the entire week. And this guy, Richard, was, like, he knew exactly where we were on the map. He was, And I was like, oh, I think we need to go, like, left a little bit, like, looking at my watch. And he was like, oh, yeah, we follow this stream, like, all the way down to the next road crossing or something. So it was so useful, someone with the map, because you could, you didn't have to just be staring at your watch face the whole time. It was, anyways, I could not do it. Like, that's I, you know me, like, I quite like maps and, yeah. like, navigation and stuff. But to be jogging on that type of terrain, there's not, like, trails, really, um, whilst holding a map and trying to oh it's just so mental and the lack of sleep and like after one ultra at the end everyone's like oh yeah my brain was mushed like day five how do you I would be like which way does the map go I know well yeah day five was the day that I missed the checkpoint as well um so you could just tell like everything was just starting to catch up with people at that point um but yeah it's it's totally nuts like you have to be loads of people afterwards are like asking me like oh, like, what did you think about for all those hours? Because you're running, like, 11 hours a day. Yeah, I was going to say, so the average, like, I think the distance was 380 or something, which doesn't, when people are like, oh, yeah, a 200-mile race, doesn't sound super insane. But then you see the photos of the kind of terrain and, like, how long it would have taken to scramble some of that exposed stuff. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, your time, sixty total time, 61 hours... 12 minutes and 54 seconds. <laughs> so that mental. is like 10 and a half hours a day. That's bananas. So, it's so mad. 10 it's and a half so hours today for somebody who came seventh overall out of men and then just like wiped clean the women's field. So if you were the end, you're running like 15 hours a day or something bananas. Yeah, totally. Like, so you could start kind of whenever you wanted in the morning. The earliest the race opened was 
um, six in the morning. So all the ladies in my tent would set their alarms for 4am, go have breakfast, get all their stuff organized. And they would be literally queuing at the start line for six because they knew they needed that full time till the course closed at 10pm if they wanted to get through the day. Okay, so you had 16 hours every day. So you had, that up. is that right? Six, seven, 12. eight, nine, 10. Yeah, 12 plus four is 16. Okay. My God, <laughs> that was really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> so they would, yeah, exactly. So like even on the, um, on the days where, that were like, we called, <laughs> we called day four like a recovery day. I mean, it was, it was 70 kilometers, <laughs> but it was only 2,000 meters of elevation. Oh my God. Whereas all the other days were like 3,000 meters plus. So we were like, oh yeah, day four recovery day. And also um, day four, most people finished about two hours like earlier than they had done the other days. Um, and there was also a pub just outside the campsite. Oh my God, hilarious. Did you go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Hillary. That's amazing. It was supposed to actually the public. So we're in super remote rural Wales. There's no signal, nothing. Like you have to walk out of camp, walk over this bridge to get to the pub. They weren't even open on the Thursday, which is when the um, when we were there. But they they opened specifically to give us beer and pulled pork sandwiches. That was That's the only so thing rad. on the menu. So and they had like I think they had like pork scratchings or like peanuts oh my god it was so good because you can't there's no one gives you anything in the race like you show up at the start line with your like 15 kilogram weight limit dry bag and that's your supplies for the entire week yeah okay so i want to hash out this the logistics and then i want to get into the stats of the, oh my the god, finishers logistics yeah okay so you are from what i can tell you have this one bag the bag has everything you need for camping like toiletries, mm-hmm. what you're going to wear for all six days, yeah. what you're going to eat for six days, and it has to weigh under 30 pounds. What's 30 pounds? 15 kilos? About, yeah. yeah. Okay, 30. so 15 kilos is the weight limit, and you've got a 60 litre dry bag, so you don't have to put your tent in it. They provide, the race organization provides like these big tents that you get put into groups into. Okay. But basically everything else you need for camp, like your roll mat and your sleeping bag and... I don't know, your like waterproof clothes for camp and your shoes for camp and all your clothes for the week and all your food for the week that you're going to eat on the hill. But they provide breakfast and supper like in the tent in a field. And you're not allowed to take anything from supper into your... No, that's not allowed. That is bananas. Yeah, so basically they say because they're not, they only provision for, you know, X number of runners to eat a meal that night or have a snack that night so if everyone starts taking you know bags of crisps or whatever or fruit from the tent from the catering tent and then putting them in their support bag for the next day they're just going to run out of food by the end of the week so if that's not allowed basically if you're caught with it it's a strike three strikes and you're disqualified from the event so the rules are like quite strict like I really had to read them like over and over and over again to make sure I was on the right track so for someone who's not like typically organized, yeah. <laughs> how did you look ahead at six days and think like I might go oh. through 2,500 calories a day yeah. and pack that into oh a bed? Oh my God. It was, okay. So first of all, I don't really camp much. Like I'm not very good at it. It's kind of why I started endurance running so I could run these multi-day hikes in a day (laughs) with no camping so first step I need to get all my camping stuff I've got nothing here in Canada 
So I go to Cotswold Outdoor, the bastion of of outdoor outdoor uh, retail in the UK, and just basically said, look, I just need like the best of everything. I went to town in Cotswold Outdoor. I was like their best customer. I went in with a big long shopping list, and I was like, someone needs to assist me. I don't know about sleeping bags or anything. So I got like okay, so I, I get ended up getting decent camping stuff, which is great because it's light, which means I have more room in the bag for like food and camp stuff um oh so anyways so they have a list of all the required kit and then for the food stuff I basically just left it till the last minute and then panicked and then put everything I thought possible into a bag and I was just under the weight limit and that was kind of my strategy. Well, my favorite was when you're like, everyone is packed and I was like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm in Dublin having a G&T. And I was yeah. like, first step, yeah. get away. So I do, I, I do have this theory as an unorganized person that if you leave packing to the last minute, you end up with minimal time for faffing. So you have to be really efficient. Yes, it like forces true. you to do it. It's the same like if you have a deadline if you leave it to the last minute, you know your time is going to be spent really effectively working towards this deadline because there's no time to like mess around. That's a good spin. It's okay. not one I can personally handle. No, because you're an organized person. Stress-wise. Yes. So anyways, this is what I did. So I, was, I spent the two weeks before the race in Ireland. Um, that's where my mum lives. And I was, we basically found, we've got a WhatsApp group with the girls I was in a tent with. We didn't know each other before, but we just kind of found each other and we just wanted to chat before the race. So they were sending me pictures of like all their kit. Like, you know, when you lie all flat on the floor and it makes like a pretty picture. Like, like Tetris? That's an impressive like, thing to do. I can't do it and I'm organized. Yeah, like a flat lay. This was like a week before. A couple of the girls had these like big flat lays of like all their sleep mag and all their food. And I was kind of panicking a little bit, but just like <laughs> pushed that feeling away. I was like, no, I'm not even, I didn't even have time to think about this. Um, and then I just got back. I went to the local running shop in Cheltenham, cleared them out of everything. I was like, how many gels do you have? How many things to tailwind? They were like, oh, we only got a couple of boxes left because there's a half marathon in the town tomorrow. So I was like, I showed up there at opening time, 10 a.m. and cleared them out. So anyone else running the half marathon wasn't gonna have any nutrition. Um, so anyways, I just threw that in a bag and then I went to Sainsbury's, got a bunch of sweets, put them in the bag. And then I was like, I guess that'll just, that'll just do. Yeah, it's gonna and have to. Once you get on the train and you're on the way to the Conway, you know, there's no point worrying about it because what's done is done. <laughs> you <laughs> did have you have to... poles? None of the pictures you had poles. No, I did. No, I did. I did. No, I did. In the picture that you saw um, on Crib Gok, you basically, you have to put them away. So I'd have them shoved in my pack. Okay. But no, I did have poles. Good. Thank goodness. Oh my God. Poles were like the best. There are a few guys without them. I was like, do you guys not know that it's kind of cheating to have poles? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, if you can, do it. If you can, do it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, my, one of my favorite activities was just walking along the road, like, swinging my poles. It was, oh, it was great. My poles were great. Um, but, yeah, I, for some, somehow I was under the weight limit for the, for the bag allowance, um, whereas some people were really struggling. I guess if you were, like a big dude or your clothes and your shoes oh, weigh way quite more. a lot yeah. yeah and like some guys have bought like four pairs of shoes I didn't I just bought two um I did get an outfit for every day I think that's fair I think that was yeah that was kind of critical um I did have a I had a uh, I had a pair of clean socks for every day 
Um, but I didn't like one of the things I really messed up on was the shoes you wear for camp. So you're essentially just in a grassy Welsh field. Like yeah. there's no electricity. There's no like heating things. It's just damp. It's always damp. And I thought it'd be a good idea to bring my, you know, my recovery flip flops. <laughs> okay. So I was, so, and immediately on day one, I get a massive blisters in between my toes. Oh. And like, you, you didn't wear slides. You had. No, because that would be the clever thing to do. Oh so, my God. Dude. So I had like these, I had these blistered toes and I had the, <laughs> the string that goes between them. And then I had blisters all over, but like this beside my heels and the um, the recovery shoes have got like a ridge at the end, at the like around the side, essentially to keep your foot in the shoe. Yeah. But all it meant is that because I couldn't, sh- I couldn't shove my toes all the way through. So I basically was just like, oh, it was torture. They were instruments of torture. You could have got those sleeping bag shoes that are like nothing and waterproof. Yeah. And some people, some people had like UGG boots. I was, but I basically spent camp looking at people's feet in in jealousy of what they were wearing and it meant that I just couldn't move around camp very fast at all because my feet were kind of sore anyways plus I had torture shoes on so I would be hobbling from place to place and, and then you have to be like who's the girl in the lead that <laughs> idiot over there <laughs> like, oh, we don't hold high hopes for you <laughs> and so I would like get to the catering tent and then I'd like forget my mask or I'd forget my toothbrush and have to make the trek all the way back to the tent. And I swear to God, as the days went on, the tents got further further away <laughs> from like the eating tent. So anyways, the, the camp logistics, like by the end, I would love to have said it was like a well-oiled machine, but it wasn't. The wheels just fell off more and more on the camping side of things. I was actually really excited for day two and three because like as someone who knows you pretty well I was like people are gonna start at six and she's not and I was excited <laughs> to see how that looks on the tracker so like oh. everybody was following that was one of the coolest things if you were from BC like all Instagram was was like updates and you could watch on the PC you could see the video so people would get like little video snippets and repost them and stuff mm. so then my dad was following along too and he was like someone out in front and I was like no they just started two hours earlier and then a couple hours later people would be like did she catch that person and we're like yes that's <laughs> what's happening I think she slept in and then <laughs> So it was fun. All the speculation of like, is this what's happening right now? The tracking system was phenomenal. They did a really great job. They did such a good job. You know what? And I was chatting to the race team because my tracker broke on day two. Yeah. We were all like, um, why is she sitting there? But the cool thing was on the website too, it said tracker broken. So you knew. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had, I only knew that because I have no signal or anything that, that whole week. I think I had signal at the end of day three for like half an hour. Um, but the, the, you can send in messages. It's called, they call it Dragon Mail. So on the oh page, yes. yeah, so many people. So on the page where you see the little dots moving, you can pre- press on a participant and then send them a message. And then in camp, like when you get in that night, you basically scan your wristband, your barcode, which I'm still wearing. It's like a dirty festival wristband, <laughs> um, and it prints out like a receipt paper with everyone's messages on from the last time you had it printed. Oh, that's so cool. Which was so cool. But at the end of day two, it was literally just like. 
10 messages from my sister being like, oh my God, your track is broken, get it fixed, I can't stop dot watching. Like this is my new favorite pastime, I haven't done any work and now your track is broken. She was on top of it. She was on it, yes. My sister was doing the rounds around um, the village, showing my grandparents how to dot watch, showing like all the random neighbors who I'm not really related to how to dot watch. So yeah, it was definitely like um, a family sport. That's what everyone was doing back home, which was really, really cool actually. I had no idea going into it that that would be that easy for people to to, to follow. follow and then the yeah. um, the dragon mail thing was cool too because you could see they had the on the left like everybody's messages so you could yeah. read with everybody else and there were podcast listeners that were like we yes. know who you are. oh my gosh yeah i didn't mention that yeah there were a couple of people from the podcast who were like yeah we don't know who you are who you are but congrats and i think when i started getting messages from people i didn't know um i was like oh like this is actually a thing that people are interested in totally well and Lori, who was the head volunteer like Lori heron Tor- yeah um she was messaging me and she was like do you know if they still have dragon mail and i was like yeah so yeah. we were shooting the link out everywhere because haven't they laurie and randy didn't haven't they done it one randy day? did yeah yeah okay so and i know this because someone was actually telling me talking to me about laurie and randy in the race like oh, they hilarious. met them previously yeah there was, so there was like there was really fun connections like that um but it was cool yeah they said back in the day the trackers weren't waterproof so they had to like and the trackers they basically electric they use electric tape to tape it to your pack to get a good signal it was fairly heavy but they said back in the day they were heavier and they also weren't waterproof so they would put the trackers in like a ziploc box and then strap the ziploc box to your pack so we were all complaining about these trackers that were like actually kind of streamlined whereas like four or five years ago they had yeah like sandwich boxes strapped Strapped. That's so funny. Well, it'll be like a little chip in no time. It'll be nothing. Yeah, 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 totally. So let's talk about how many people started this race and how many people finished the Mm -hmm. race. Because what were there, 450 starters? There were, I'm not sure on the exact stats, but there's there's usually, um, I think actually on the website, the race director wrote um, an article with some stats in, but um, I think usually there's around 600, 650 starters. But there were less this year because a lot of international people couldn't travel. Like I was so lucky coming from Canada that it was fairly straightforward. Um, but so that, I read somewhere 450, I think. Yeah, there was a, yeah about 450 starters of which 40 were women. So really, really underrepresented um, female participation. So I kind of knew that going in, and all of us girls in, our, in, in the tent were like we've just you know got to give her our all because there's so few of us there's so few of us females in this competition 90 people finished yeah 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 which is it is crazy there's um i think usually there's like a 50 percent finish rate or something and i think this time there was like a 25 percent finish rate and of those 40 women only seven finished yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah and then obviously a 400 plus men like 80 of them finished. Yeah, which is bananas. So you yeah. won the female field and then came seventh out of the men. What kind of comments were you getting from some of them, the men out there? They must have been like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, you know, it was weird because in the first few days, well, the first two days were so hot. I was a little bit delirious. Most people were. I didn't really remember what was said to me or what I said to other people. Like it was all a bit of a hot mess. Um, but then after that... Some of the guys, like the, the, the guys who were in front of me and actually a couple of them behind, 
um, I would either be overtaking them or they'd be overtaking me. And they'd start saying stuff like, oh, like, where are you in the overall rankings? Like, you must be doing fairly decently. And I had not, I'd made a point of not looking at the results every evening because I didn't want to, like, like, I didn't want it to affect my... Did you know you were ahead from the women, though? I knew I was, but I didn't know who the girl was who was behind me and I didn't know what the time difference was. Right. Because it ended up being quite a bit, right? Like three hours or something. I think it, yeah, it ended up being like a, a decent, a decent amount. Um, but oh, the, it was like five hours, five hours, closer to six hours. I think it was about an hour, a day, about an hour a day, depending yeah. on the day. Um, but you know, like it's obviously like I, you've never, we've never done anything like this before. Like it's totally foreign. And if you start looking at the results, like imagine if she was like 20 minutes behind me. Yeah. I could not have affect, like let that affect how I took each day because I could have just like blown up or, you know, rolled my ankle. You know, there's so many things you've got to think about during the day that um, all like extra stress of trying to race. What are you looking at? Oh, God. I'm just looking at the website and the first article that comes up is Katie Mills beating the guys is fun. <laughs> so the caption says, penultimate day of the Dragon's Back Race 2021 sees Katie Mills looking even stronger than Simon Roberts and Russell Bentley running together. <laughs> That's awesome. And Simon's the guy that won, right? Simon, yeah. So Simon and Russell were the two guys, one and two. Um, and like, if you, if you look at the results, like I can't, I haven't seen it myself, but they were light years ahead of most people. It was like, they were, it was like, they were a different class of human. They were just, they, the tr- they were just so good at the terrain. Um, so yeah, they had were any, insane. Had anybody done it like more than one year? Did people come back to this or is one torture chamber enough? Yeah. <laughs> most of the people this year were first timers. But Simon, who won, has done it previously. I feel like that would be a pretty big advantage at this type of race. Yeah. Well, like... one thing, like, obviously, if you live, like, the the, the Welsh guys, it was a, um, the guys who won the one, two, and three, they all live in Wales. So that's, like, a massive advantage. Like, the, I guess you don't, you don't think about it that much, but the running over there is so unique to anywhere else I've ever been, you know, usually you're on a trail. Like people were saying here, like, oh, is there no like off-trail navigation stuff? And I was like, well, if you're off-trail in the woods, you're like bushwhacking through hundreds of years of deadfall. And if you're off-trail in the Alpine, like you might die. So it's different. It's really different. Whereas there, it's like wide open expanses of grass. Like the the tops of the mountains are quite craggy in northern Snowdonia. Um but it's just such a unique style of running. It's such a unique terrain. Um, like, you know how some people are really good on scree and some people like mud or whatever. These guys could just run on like baby's heads, tussocks of grass. Like it was nothing. That's so crazy. Yeah. I was like literally on my hands and knees at some points. And then Simon and Russell would just come springing over the tussocks, like little baby fawns. Like... <laughs> I'm sure baby fawns is what they want to be described as. Yes. <laughs> so I thought it was really interesting what you said that like on day one, there were some women that were strong runners, but that they just freaked themselves out because of exposure. So tell us a bit about like, what is that feeling like? Like how high are you? How jagged is it? Like, yeah, it's, it is, it is pretty mad. Northern Snowdonia. Like to be honest, when I first went there, I was like, how on earth are they having like an organized event over this terrain? Like I feel like here 
in Canada, you as a race director would have it would feel like a really big risk to take that because it, it there is a lot of exposure. Um, so like the main, if your listeners ever watch like there's um, there's video recaps of the of the race that they put out every day. So if they look at the race recaps of day one, it's it all focuses all the drone shots focus on, on this one ridge called Kribgok, which is kind of on, on the Mount Snowdon horseshoe, and it is very 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 thin spine of rock with steep drops either side i mean you fall you die pretty much <laughs> um and and to get there because i oh, so i knew i'd seen pictures of crib got the first time i went so i wreckied it about four weeks before the race um so i knew that it was like quite thin and my um my mum and dad had been up there and they were like it's gnarly but to get up there it's basically rock climbing like you know, like three points of contact. Um, I do, but you don't do a lot of rock climbing. No. So how did you I feel do up not. There? So I show up at the bottom of Kribgok. The, so there's the, you have to like climb up to this ridge and halfway up, I'm like, oh, okay, this is like kind of intense. So I see two guys coming down and I'm in like shorts, pretty light pack. You know, it's about 7 p.m. in the evening. And um, I'm like, oh, guys, like, how's the route finding? And they looked at me like I had no business being there at all, which was very true. And they were like, um, not easy. And it wasn't, it was crazy. Like, I remember, like, taking a picture of just this, all this rock above me in front of me being like, this is supposed to be 90% path on this first day. Like, where is the fucking path? Like, what am I even looking for? Um, so, but what it meant was, I was, I was pretty freaked out. And I remember getting Kripgok and that vertigo feeling where like, you are looking down at like the bottom of the valley, like one step away. And I was clinging on, like pretty clinging on. And I think the kilometer stretch took me about an hour and 20 minutes for that one section. Um, Holy shit. It's it is like literally step by step. But then um, in the race itself, and I don't know if anyone, if anyone else was like this, but I was so hot, like deliriously hot. Yeah, I wanna ask you about the heat because, yeah. sorry, I'm gonna interrupt for a second. Yeah, no, no worries. The race report from the race director was that on the first two days, they had to field um, emergency phone calls and go and prioritize that. So they couldn't do the main organization that they were yeah. normally doing mm-hmm. because people were literally panicking from heat exhaustion. They were just dropping like flies. Yeah, yeah. having to go like travel around and hunt these people down and find them. Yeah. So like your brain doesn't work properly when you're under that kind of heat stress. And, and it would make you panicky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, So for, for me, I was panicking because... I was kind of getting cramp like on the rock climbing bits, which was kind of annoying, but also everybody had it. But then when I got to Crib Gok, my legs kind of felt okay. And I could, there was no room in my brain to feel nervous. I was so hot, like the rock was hot. Like I really wanted some water, just wanted to like jump in a river. And then I get to the top of Crib Gok, it's this really, really narrow spine. And I just wasn't nervous at all like there was no room in my brain so just I just in survival mode almost. so I just like ran across it like didn't even put my <laughs> hands down half the time I was like oh this is kind of weird I was really nervous when I did this last but yeah like maybe put my hands down like a couple times and it was like over really quickly I was like oh that was it and then back and into- what a confidence boost that is too when that's done well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I wasn't like terribly nervous about the exposure, really. To be honest, Hillary, the main thing I was worried about every single day was camping. 
Why? Because like jogging is, we do jogging, like we do a lot of jogging and you can't really control what happens during the day. Like if you fall off a mountain or you roll your ankle or whatever, you you can't really control that. But like camping and like losing stuff, like what if I'd lost my sleeping bag or like my sleeping bag got in a big puddle of water and, and then it's like, and now I'm screwed. Like, you know, I'm just so bad at that side of things. So I don't think there was much room in my brain to be nervous about the jogging aspect of it. That makes sense because it's like if everything's going so well and you're jogging so well, and then your pack gets your sleeping bag gets soaked. Like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wasn't to be honest. Like, I really kind of switched my brain off on the whole like day running side of things because there's so many things that can go wrong like you can get lost or whatever um that I just there wasn't any point using up brain power thinking about it so I just literally just blocked it out did you feel like um the heat waves that we'd had in the summer helped kind of acclimatize (laughs) and prepare you I was so shocked that like I was okay in the heat like I wasn't okay like it was horrendous it was horrendous yeah like I, how, how hot was it i don't even know oh it's like 32 but like which Fuck. isn't but that's not crazy but for whales that is nuts and it was so where you don't humid. know where your next water fill is yeah totally yeah. um so like the first two days literally like the views were spectacular like unbelievable scenery and i looked at my feet all day like i didn't look up from my feet because i was so hot I was just staring at my feet thinking I need to get in a river. I need to get in a river. Like it was Were there ridiculous. any water places to soak yourself? Mm, there wasn't as many on day one, but thank God there was a river at the campsite. Like, do you remember when we did that really on my birthday? Um, okay, so the heat wave that Hillary was talking about um, before I went home, it was like 40 degrees in Canada for like a few days. And we thought it'd be a good idea because it's my birthday weekend to go to the Sunshine Coast and run really far on exposed logging roads in <laughs> that heat. Yeah. Really fun. So we were doing this 50k and it was like 38 or something. And um, we'd found like on the map somewhere that there was like a pond at like the end of this run. So the whole 50k, like how long were we running for? Like eight hours or something. Yeah. All we were thinking about was like, oh, there's a lake in like seven hours. Oh, there's a lake in six hours. So like the whole time on day one, I was just thinking about the river at the end. And then on day two, I'd actually run the whole of day two previously. So I did know where the streams were. Oh, that helps. So you know how some people were like, oh, like break it down like A station by A station. Stream to stream. Stream to stream. Yeah. There were no A stations in this. So it was just stream to stream. The weather turned and day four was like stormy and wet. Day four, no, it was beautiful. Oh my gosh. It was so nice to be cool. It was so good. So day three was fine. It was like, it was, it was sunny, but it was a bit windy. And then day four was drizzly. Um, and then day five was total downpour and day six was just normal Welsh drizzle. Um, but it was just so good to not be hot. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember everyone was like struggling to put their jackets on and I was just like in my element. Like (laughs) I I literally had my eyes closed at one point, like face to the rain with the wind, like whipping everywhere. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) So most days you would get in. And you were getting to bed around like nine or 10 and then up at four? Mm, well, no, so I didn't get up at four. Um, but yeah, so I'd get in, faff around, just stare at my stuff for like three hours deciding what to do with my life. And then the girls in my tent would all have their alarm set at four. I would like roll over, go back to bed, get up at five-ish, 
have some breakfast, stare at my stuff a bit more, decide what to put in my bag, um, tape my feet, and then get going at like 7.30-ish. Yeah. That's Every day I was like, I'm gonna leave camp at 6.30. And I was so disorganized. Like if I hit 7.30, it was like a good day. It's <laughs> so, so ridiculous. Well, it's like the same thing as packing. You're like, okay, now I don't have the full time allotted to finish this yeah, day, so I yeah. have to run fast. Totally, yeah, exactly. Okay, so if you could pick your favorite part, like your biggest highlight from the week, what would it be? Oh, biggest, oh, I know exactly what it is. Okay, so <laughs> on. <laughs> On basically the whole week, I hadn't really run with people. Um, like we were just all different speeds. So there was no one I was like jogging with consistently and chatting with. Um, and then on day five, I ended up running with this guy, Richard, who had the map for a while. That was amazing. And then on the final day, day six, like at this point, like my feet are so puffy and like my blisters are infected and I've like wrapped them in tape. Tears are like leaking out of my eyes because every, like the road feels pointy. Um, but at the halfway point, I meet this girl, Zoe, and I kind of like eyed her up in camp as like a fun girl. Like she was kind of chatty and loud, but I never had a chance to run with her. Anyways, so she, I pick her up after the support point and she basically gets like a new lease of life and sprints the, the second 20 miles. So I was like, oh crap, and I have to keep up with her. Anyways, that was like, first of all, running with another girl was like a massive highlight for me. I'd waited like a whole week for it to happen. And then about 10 miles to go, you crest this like grassy hill. And for the very, very first time, you see the whole South coast of Wales, like oh, cool. in front of you, like all, it was kind of, kind of a bit sunny. So it was like, the water was like glinting in the sun and you knew you had 10 miles of like flat and downhill to get to the, the finish. Oh my God. It was like, I just, I was a bit of a wreck on day six as well. Cause I kind of, it was like all the emotions I kept bottled up were yeah. like overflowing. So, so anything would like set me off. Like Zoe would say something nice and I'd start crying. And then like, <laughs> we get to the door, we see the, 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 the sea, we see like Cardiff Bay and I just like burst into tears and she burst into tears. And we have like this moment at the, top of that hill and it was just oh amazing to think that like you don't even like you don't even think about n not running and like getting to the finish like you all you're thinking about is like what you're doing in that present am I on course you know am I eating enough and then finally you see like the you literally see the finish line and um yeah it's it was pretty intense, yeah. I can imagine. Well, I mean, I can't, yeah. but I can. Like, I know what you mean by, like... Oh, God, so emotional that day. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, my dad showed up at the support point, and I just, like, held, like, held onto his shoulders. I was like, I couldn't even stand up at that point. Like, I was weeping so much. And then coming to the support point, all the amazing... Um, the volunteers who'd been, like, filling up your walk, because they can't really do anything. There's no aid station. And they just yeah. hand you your bag you packed and, like, hand you some water and give you... And, but honestly, the kind words they give is worth more than anything else. So I come in and I'm just, like, weeping. And they're like, oh, my God, are you okay? I was like, no, no, no. I was like, it's happy, it's happy, it's happy. But that whole time I tried to be, like, really upbeat and all the rest of it. And that final day was just a total meltdown. But it was good, Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you kind of answered the question there, but I mean, like you said it a bit in the interview too that I was reading 
during this to do my research that, <laughs> that like you've had injuries you had a stick go right through your foot and then the weirdest pelvic issue so yeah. to have like basically well it was cool because it was you were started building back your fitness with like five and ones right after I gave birth so like literally <laughs> two years ago to have it just all come together and get through this with like the low point assuming mm. just being blisters and not yeah. something dramatic like it's so mental like I was thinking about it last night I we were in well you were kind of injured too like but it was it was so long for me that to be injured that you literally got pregnant had a child yeah. and your child is now like two pretty much a, like a real human not just a blob anymore yeah and in all that time, yeah, it's it feels really, really. It's I mean, really obviously, weird. like you were in your twenties. I was in my twenties. <laughs> oh my god, I was even in my mid twenties. Um, no, it just feels like I did every every day. I'd be like, oh, I wonder if today is the day where like my pelvis starts to fall apart or whatever. And it just, it just, yeah, didn't happen, which is really, yeah, really cool, really, really cool. So. Um, I have no idea how or why. Like, I, it hurt in training, but it didn't hurt in the run. It's yeah, just... but, like, I had a lot of knees hurt in training and stuff, too. And, like, I, I'm imagining yeah. your taper was less than mine. But, like, the mild recovery from the taper did a lot for the old body. Yeah, I was yeah. Impressed. So, like, yeah. you probably just adapted. And it's funny, like, when you do the things the physio tells you to do, <laughs> it works. works. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why, like, you go to a physio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not pseudoscience. No, it's, it's amazing. It's, isn't it's it? real science. <laughs> so shout out to Carly Foster. Yes. Ellie also, after like halfway through day one, I was like, she's yeah. fucking crushing. And she's like, I'm so bad at technology. I need to figure this out. I'm like, okay, you, I need to go to the top and you need to filter to just women or this is going to oh. be real overwhelming. And then she, she sent me out. some really great messages. Um, uh, Ellie, my coach, she's so good. On day four, like the recovery day, that was my favorite day actually. It was quite a lot of road jogging. And um, she sends me a, like a drag mail saying like, oh, no big deal, just like sixth overall. So then I was like, oh shit, like sixth overall, the fuck? <laughs> that was the first time I'd realized like the, the rankings as well. But I could tell she was like stoked that um, that I was crushing guys, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she, we had like a call after the race and cause she has, hasn't had a coaching client do anything like this before. So she was like, what do you think worked in your training? And, um, I don't know. I was trying to think about it. Like, I know we obviously trained like, so Hillary, we obviously trained a lot together and I know we trained like fairly hard, but it just felt kind of not like normal for me. Like obviously I was really tired and we were putting in like long days, but it just, I really, really like training. Like I really, really enjoy that kind of progression in training. So it never really f felt like that much hard work. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. And both of our races were super long. Yours was obviously longer, but it, I think it, like we were talking about on a run one day, you get people in their 60s and 70s that can run 100 milers because that's 100 miler training. It was just like a lot of easy time yeah, on feet. Yeah, a lot of easy time on feet, which is like my jam. Like it yeah. was so, when like speed work started to get less and less, I was like, this is amazing. Like I can jog for hours yeah. really slow. That's like kind of what I do. So all this like road speed training or like, oh, let's see how fast you can run a 50K is like kind of super uncomfortable for me. Um, so 
yeah, like a few friends have said like, oh, you trained really hard for this. And I was like, did I? I just did a lot of what I really, yeah. really liked yeah. doing. I don't know if hard is the right word, but like a lot of time. I did put a I did lot put of the time. time in. Yeah. I put the time in. A lot of time. Peppa ran her longest run. Yeah. With us in training. Um, but yeah, and I and I think honestly, like where like where we live and train in North Van, like you've you've literally got everything at your fingertips. Totally. So yeah. it's not like like a bunch of these people, um, the Brits who are, and most people running this race were British just from the travel restrictions. You know, some of them live in London and they get to the Peak District maybe on the weekend, like, or maybe every other weekend. Um, so it's so different to literally being here in North Island and there being a mountain at your doorstep. You can run roads if you want. You can run really technical trails. You can run easy trails. So it's kind of like... The mixture, you're just ready for everything. Mm. So if you were going to go back and do it again, I have a couple last questions. Okay. What would you do differently? What was like, was there a, a needs improvement? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for sure, the first thing I'd say is I probably, I'm not thinking about whether I would do it again. And that's just because, and that's not because I disliked it. In fact, it was, it was literally the best experience of my life. Like, it was incredible. Well, you couldn't recreate the magic of the first time again. But, well, that's yeah. the thing. Like, it was just, everything was just amazing. And if I went back, like, I, I guess I could try and, like, go faster because I was just, I, I was taking it quite um, easy, especially in the first few days. So, like, maybe you could go back for a different time, but there was just... It was just such a unique, um, exp- I mean, maybe I will in a few years, but. Well, let's say you go do Tour de Jaunt. Like what's the one thing okay, okay, that okay. you learned that you'll do somewhere Yeah. Different? So aside from, yeah, doing it again, the biggest thing is like taping your feet. Yeah. That's super interesting. <laughs> I'm excited to hear more about that. Because oh my gosh. Yeah. It's not ever something we do. No, it's not. Well, like I remember watching some of the videos before and they were like, taping your feet is really important. And I was like, okay. So I would. Do you, like, do you remember so I wait, taped hold on. my... Tape before you get yeah. the blisters? Oh, okay. Yeah, like preemptive taping. So then I was like, okay, cool. I'll practice in Canada. So I would like tape my, you know, my stick foot toe that sticks out funny. Yeah. I would like tape that um, and then put like a tiny bit of tape on the sides of your feet, you know, where they rub a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Um, and in Canada, it worked really well. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, and then I went to go do some reckeys in Wales and... Like literally within five minutes, you're running through bog. Like your feet are wet instantly. It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's like a heat wave. It's your feet are always wet. So within five minutes, the tape would come off my feet and then just be floating around my sock. And I was like, oh, this is crap. I'm not going to bother. That's, do- that's my fear. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm not going to bother doing this. Um, so I didn't. And then after two days, I had my feet were just absolutely trashed. Um, but then, so I went to the medical tent and I was like, help, I failed with my feet. <laughs> and they showed me how to tape, I guess, like properly. So you tape your toes kind of how I was, but more more tape. But you would like pull the tape further down and have it like onto the ball of your foot a little bit. And then you would wrap your whole, whole foot, foot. That's what I was wondering, yeah. In tape, like you like would a do... Cast. But yeah, basically, like you wouldn't necessarily have to do like your um, arch, but you would like wrap the whole ball of your foot so the tape comes up and like sticks onto each other and you would do your full ankle. So you would do um, like a strap all around the base of your heel from one side all the way around the back to the other. And then you would secure it with a stirrup around the heel 
up to the top. So there's no like loose ends to float around. There's no loose ends to float around. Um, and it basically just holds everything in place. And, and so I did, so I had that on my feet for day four, which was really wet the whole time. And it was like magic, like stayed in place despite the whole day being in a bog. Um, that's crazy. Crazy. And then the other thing they say to do is, you know, those, um, toe socks, Yes. But in gingy socks. So okay. I wore those because the 100K at Finless and you go through a river twice. Yeah, yeah. And it was magic. Magic. Okay, so I was like, nah, never using them. They're creepy. Like, totally. they're creepy. But they work. But they work. And especially if you've wrapped your feet and you have tape on your toes. Yes. It holds Because it the, doesn't mush. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like mush around your socks. So anyways, that... Well, I was like, I said to the top guys afterwards, I was like, how on earth do you, are you still running? Like I'm totally crippled from my blisters. And they said, oh, we double wrap our feet and we wear the Injinji socks. From the beginning. So before from you From day one. So yeah. let's do tours to Sean's. Yeah. Really? That'd be so fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Done. Said I just said out loud. Do you know what? A lot of people at Dragon's Back talk about the spine race in yeah. England, which is... Um, I interviewed the winner of that. Did you? Yes, she's bananas. And I laugh because the videos of her, she's got just a jacket like this, just going straight into the wind. Like, yeah, so yeah, she must have And that to yeah. me looks like fucking garbage. So you can do the winter spine, which is probably what she did, or the summer spine, which is like the baby sister. It's essentially 260 miles non-stop. Stop. Yeah. And you can sleep like, if you want... But like, if you want to f- like finish in less than six days, you sleep maybe an hour a night. Um, it's like in the winter spine as well. It's like gale force winds, snow, um, rain. It's, I mean, it sounds amazing. That type of weather is like, so like all me, but um, the, oh, like the, and, so the, and the spine is like the Pennines, which is like um, in like down kind of the spine of England, I guess. Um, so everyone's talking about that. So I don't know. It just sounds like a lot of no sleeping to me. That to me is kind of the worst part. Yeah. Like sleeping is good. Sleeping is good. Even if it's like, even if it's in a Welsh wet field on a roll mat, like for Dragon's Back, at least there's like some kind of sleep. Yes. But like the, the, the clock's not running, but yeah. Yeah. No, un- yeah. But as well, it's like the same. Like it's what, it's 200 miles. Yeah. I mean, you know, the good thing about these races is that it is a lot of walking, which is like kind of good. Yeah, I'm yeah, walking. Walking's, walking's great. Yeah, walking's it's great. And mental stuff. Right? And then, yeah. Well, I guess it's totally not marked. No, it isn't, is it? I don't think so. No, I don't think it's marked. But again, like these routes are always, they're kind of obvious, the route, because if you get to a mountain, like you're probably going up and over it. <laughs> Like, it isn't, the checkpoint's probably at the summit of the peak, because you don't really have to think about it too hard. I like fell asleep. But, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, the thing, the thing I thought coming out of this was, like, how much I really, really do like the longer stuff, and I haven't done it for years, just because I haven't been able to. So that was my last question, and we kind of touched on it a little bit there. Um, You, in our text, were like, yeah, I just have to be, like, really careful about the next race that I choose so yeah. like are is there anything that sticks out in your mind that you were like that kind of would sound fun like not yet no honestly like i'd have like to really hell. yeah <laughs> i'd have to just like really um look like look in especially if it's like a big investment in terms of like training time and also like money and the like the largeness of the race because like 
I'm not going to be doing much jogging for like the next few weeks. Like the recovery is huge for this. So it has to be really, really, really worth it. And this event was the most well-organized event I've ever been to. But not only that, like the whole like the whole thing the fact that my family was there the fact that the yeah volunteers were incredible the fact that like you build this amazing community through six days of being in the event the fact that the scenery was spectacular like it's gonna take a lot to top that totally and like i don't i can't even i can't even imagine any event beating it right now for like experience level that's so, so yeah. awesome the bar is really fucking high. <laughs> and so you were saying earlier, like, oh, do you feel like kind of sad that it's over? And I was saying like, no, because there was so much like reflect on and look back on and reminisce about like so many emotions that you don't, I like don't feel deflated from so after good. it, which is, <sighs> yeah, really cool. Yeah. So, okay. So now I have one other question. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. And Just one more. I, I got to go anyways. Andy's waiting for me. But um, you do like that well. Do you think if you did another race, do you feel any like pressure or anxiety to be like, I should perform well or I should win this? Mm, no, it's a good question. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I don't, I feel like in this event, because it's not like, it's six days. Like you, it's not you don't feel like, oh, wow, like I'm crushing it because you're essentially walking, you know, for like big chunks. So you like, I'm not dead. You yet. don't feel like, you don't really feel like a real crusher um, at all. So no. And to be honest- <laughs> Other women are going to listen to this and be like, that whore. No, well, I, like, you know, they were like, it's incredible. Like everyone who got on the start line, first of all, like it's really brave because it's ridiculous. But you just, like, it's six days. Like, you you can't try and race something like that. So, um, so anyway, so basically, no. And the whole reason why, like, I didn't want to look at the results or anything is because it's such a personal, for me, it was such a personal experience. Um, and I would only be disappointed if I didn't perform to, like, where I thought I could. It didn't really matter about anyone yeah. else. Like... You know, like if um, all like the top women in um, UK running had been at this event, I wouldn't have come first. Like that's just how it is. Like um, Beth Pascal won it. She won Western States like last year or whatever. Like there's some really, really um, amazing women that have won it in the past who could probably run like considerably faster than me. So it doesn't really matter where I came. I just, I'm stoked on how I felt during it and at the end at the end of it so it doesn't really yeah it doesn't really matter I could have come last and felt the same yeah I get that like you just it all came together for you and it's the same around here like you can do well in a race or I can do well in a race and be like yeah but if like any one of our friends or like you or Jenny over there like the results would have been very different like I think we also have some super fast friends around here so many fast women here yeah we're very lucky to train with people like that all the time too and the more I like look at different races and see other people I'm like oh fuck like we've got a really good yeah crew around here it's awesome yeah amazing so yeah I think like I'd I'd be I'd be excited to have someone really fast in a race with me because you can only up your own performance with someone else you know pushing you um so yeah I mean obviously when you go into an event you're like probably the same as me you obviously put some kind of expectation on yourself on how you want to perform whether that's you know time or you know how 
um, how like your nutrition will go. You know, there's always some kind of expectation, but I d I'm not necessarily like, oh, podium or bust. Like I just, doesn't, it doesn't really work for me. <laughs> it doesn't really work for me, that strategy. Well, it was cool. Like I wish you could see again, like I said this a bunch of times, I wish you could see the support that you had here. It was pretty cool. Um, oh. Yeah, it was really fun. And that's a huge testament to like you and also the event, you're right, was so well put on. It was like a, oh my God, a it was incredible movie that we got to watch. Every Everyone should do it. Oh my gosh. Everyone, everyone should, should do it. Or like, if not, they should go to Wales and run parts of the course because it is insane. I would stunning. definitely want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you still hungry six days later? Uh, well, after averaging uh, five or six cheese plowmans a day, I'm <laughs> kind of back to normal. <laughs> but midnight snack life was real. Like all of us in the tent were like eating crisps at two in the morning. I bought like a big pasta salad from the co-op and then ate that at like three in the morning. Yeah. I bet. Oh my God, it'd be so crazy. Yeah. Well, congratulations again and thank you for coming on the show. And if anybody wants to find you, where do you have an Instagram that they can creep photos? Yes, I have an Instagram at KTS Mills, but I very rarely post. Um, it's usually whoring out some product or another. <laughs> That's the only time I do a post. Authenticity but, straight from the horse. <laughs> so uh, I'll link to that. But, but the Dragon's Back website is super good, so yeah. I'll link to that because the photos of some of those, like that, some of that. Oh terrain. my god! And the videos, like I love watching the videos because, like, yeah, you don't see a lot of that when you're running, like the drone I can, shots. Are yeah, just that'd unreal. be so fun to go back and yeah. see. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.